Hello everyone and welcome back to the BTS Theorist. My name is Willie Eaglehawk and you guessed it, I am the BTS Theorist. So it is the end of June and I have been away for most of this month. So I thought it would be fun if I did a little June recap. Uh, it is the month of BTS's Festa, of course, 10 years of BTS. And it was also the month that I happened to turn 30. So, you know, a lot was going on in my world. I wanted to kick today off with a quick story about how I have now come the closest I have ever been to talking to Namjoon, to having his eyes on my work, to having him perceive my existence, um, which for those of you who know me is kind of right up there on my things to do this year or things to do in life. It is a huge goal of mine to have anyone from BTS know that I exist, um, especially Namjoon, as I really want to write a book with him and with BTS and I want to work with them and HYBE. Um, yeah, and I think obviously because Namjoon is the one who is most fluent in English, I have the best chances with him. Um, and also because we share a love of books and reading. So somewhere around the first week of June, I was sitting in my room, eating lunch, watching YouTube, thinking my little thoughts. And my little thoughts were saying things like, gosh, wouldn't it be great if there were a way that you could just slide into Namjoon's DMs? If there were a way that you could directly communicate with him? Because for the past four years, I've been writing and publishing books about BTS. And that whole time, I've had no way to directly communicate with them and be like, hey, I've done this. And when I meet people for the first time, people who aren't ARMY, and they find out about my work, the first thing they, they want to know about or they want to talk about is um, whether or not BTS have read my books. And to them, to people who don't know BTS, it's quite confusing. They don't understand why I haven't just sent BTS an email or messaged them on Instagram or written them a letter or posted my books to them. So in the, the mind of the general public, I look a bit silly because I haven't been able to get BTS's attention. Therefore, I'm not really legitimate because I haven't been able to get the acknowledgement of BTS or HYBE. So my books don't really have an impact. That's kind of like the, the undertone of everything, right? Because if I were a really good writer and my books were really good, surely BTS and HYBE would know about them and acknowledge them and, you know, they'd be selling a lot more than they are right now. So I was just reflecting on this and going, well, you know, I wish it were that easy just to message Namjoon and be like, hello, here are my books. Not weird at all, right? Anyway, let's be friends. Um, but no, that's that's not really what is possible. Um, or so I thought. So I was thinking these thoughts and I looked down at my phone just as I was getting really frustrated. I was like, I wish there were a way that I could directly communicate with Namjoon. Uh I look at my phone and it's a notification from Weverse and it catches my eye because, I mean, come on, we get a lot of notifications from Weverse and not all of them are relevant to international army. And this said something along the lines of, okay, so I found the notification um, and it says notice. It says notice again. <laughs> Information on submitting stories for it's 5 p.m. and this is Kim Namjoon. And, of course, um, it had one of my words, stories. That's my business. Um, army stories, especially. That's my jam. The amount of army stories that I have collected and published 
is well over 100 and I think it would be nearing 200 at this point. So, of course, when I when I saw this notification, I was like, hmm, okay, well, it's an event that Nam June is hosting and they're asking for stories. So I opened it up and I really felt that it was an invitation directly for me. They were looking for the best of the best army stories to be submitted uh, that Nam June would then read out live as part of his FESTA event. I had no idea what constituted the best of the best army story. They didn't put any idea as to word count, whether or not we could submit in English, uh, any of that. So all I knew was that I had less than 24 hours to submit. So I moved very fast. I wrote I wrote a submission. Uh, I kept it really short because I wanted to, well, I firstly submitted in English. So I was thinking, well, if Nam June has to read this out loud, I want it to be, you know, easy enough for him so that he would think, hey, I could probably read this out to an audience. Um, I also wanted it to convey who I am, what I do and my story, but also like army story within that. Um, Yeah. And then I ended up writing what was more kind of like a letter. Um, I submitted it and then I went and found a Korean translator that I've worked with before and she translated the whole thing in under an hour and then I submitted in Korean as well. And I was shaking. Admittedly, I was shaking. And I told one of my friends and she was like sending me voice messages like screaming because it was seemingly such a moment for me. And I showed my mum and she was shaking and we're like, oh my goodness, this is so specific. You know, this is so eerily specific. And then I submitted and I had to wait because it was over a week away. It was like eight or nine days away at this point. And I had no idea what their method was for looking at stories. I had I had no clue. So I had to adjust my expectations pretty quickly because I didn't want to get my hopes up. I didn't want to get my hopes crushed, but I was thinking, oh my goodness, this could totally change my life. Even if my story doesn't get read out, but someone at high reads it and knows who I am, or they could tell Nam June, or they could tell someone else, or they could just keep it to themselves, but then maybe see my name in the future and be like, I remember that girl. Um, there are so many different outcomes that are possible from that. And I remember when I was at my first ever and my only ever writer's residency back in 2019, myself and a bunch of other young Australians went to the hills of South Australia with a bunch of well-known Australian playwrights to receive mentoring and um, guidance while we wrote our own monologue. And these playwrights gave us a lot of amazing advice. And one of the pieces that really stuck with me was that they told us that you just have to apply for everything, even if you're grossly underqualified or unqualified, um, and they, they were talking about it in terms of the, the theatre world, um, but it applies everywhere. You just have to get your name out there. So it's more important that you, say, submit your resume or your CV or your portfolio to a bunch of the most powerful people in your industry so that they actually read your name and know that you're interested, even if you get a rejection. Because the next time you submit, they'll remember you. Or the next time that there's an opportunity that's better suited for you, they'll think of you. So it's important to get your name in these rooms. 
because you need to pave the way for yourself, essentially. So that's what I was thinking of in this instance. I was like, well, I don't think my story is necessarily one that they're going to want to read out loud um, because it's not silly or goofy. Um, (laughs) It's kind of more serious and it's more positioning me as someone who's done a lot of things and maybe they won't like that. Uh, But it could get my name in hype in a positive way. And I have to focus on that. So I waited and I waited and I waited and I told no one else. Um, and my my best friend, Mish, had flown in from Melbourne because it was my birthday weekend and I hadn't told her that I'd submitted. Um, and we went out for dinner, we came back, we set everything up to watch the live stream. And within the first few minutes of the live stream, when Namjoon started reading out stories, um, of course, because... <laughs> Because it's a Korean event, um, though it was televised to everyone in the world, majority of which do not speak uh, Korean, there were no subtitles or no real accessibility for anyone else but people who understood Korean. But I could tell from uh, the tone of Namjoon's voice that there was no way that my story was going to be read. So, like, first few minutes I knew, my mum knew, my friend had no idea because she didn't know that I submitted. And... um. I I felt horrible. I felt really embarrassed and ashamed because obviously the stories being read out were funny and lighthearted and very meaningful and mine did not make the cut. Uh, Of course, it might be the case that no one ever saw my story. I don't know if they looked at everything. They could just look at the first few hundred and be like, right, we're good to go. Um, I have no idea what actually happened with my story, but it was an opportunity that I thought was mine and it was not. And I then had to process that, even though I had, you know, been telling myself the whole time, oh, it's probably not going to happen, you know, like got to be ready for any outcome. But of course, I really want it. and I'm really ready for it to happen. Um, It was still disappointing because it could have just it could have completely changed my life. So a few days after this, I turned 30. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I'm very old, Um, though I'm not as old as Jin. So I guess that's okay. And for my birthday, um, I did receive some BTS things and I wanted to quickly show you and talk about them. Um, From my bestie from Melbourne, I just wanted to show everyone this card. And for those of you who are not watching, you better get on YouTube and check it out. Um, How ridiculous is this? Okay, so this is my birthday card. It says, happy birthday from your seven boyfriends. So it's pretty ridiculous. And, uh, And here's the inside. This is Mish and I in Korea last year. Got a bit of a Namjoon photo card and, of course, more Namjoon on the back. But uh, just reminded me how lucky I am to have found my best friend thanks to BTS. It has been, I think she found one of my books that I released for BTS's birthday in 2021, which was called BTS by ARMY 2020. She saw it on TikTok and bought it and then we started messaging on Instagram and she bought more of my books. So clearly that is a great way to prime me for friendship. <laughs> And then we just started talking from there and we have been inseparable ever since. And now it means that for my birthday, I get BTS things, which is amazing. And this is what she got me. She got me, let's see, she got me Namjoon's photo book, which I was, I genuinely was not expecting this. Like obviously her flying up from Melbourne and spending some time with me was what I thought my present was. And of course was the best present of all, but geez, this, this comes pretty close second. I haven't actually looked at it properly yet. But I mean, come on, can't believe I'm someone who owns like photo books 
Now, I've got two. Of course, you can see the the infamous one behind me of um, Namjoon's Daikon, one that I totally destroyed the other day. I'll have to tell you that story another time. But, oh, my goodness, I even love this. I mean, I'm a bit of a weirdo. I love the smell of photo books. But look how beautiful that is. Anyway, sorry to everyone who's not watching, but I thought that was really cool. Like, I'm at a point now where I receive BTS-themed things for my birthday. And today as well, speaking of that, I am wearing these really cool Koya-inspired earrings. Uh, my friend Jacinta gave them to me when I saw her in Tasmania in April. I'm not sure who makes them, but, like, look at the cute little card that came with them. They are so cute. Anyway, it, it's really nice. Like, I, when I first entered fandom, I didn't really want to participate in all of the fan-made stuff and all of the merch. Um, it really didn't appeal to me. Although you can see my office does have like a lot of knickknacks and things like that. I don't really go overboard. Like this is the extent of the knicky knacky things that I have. But over the years I, I have been worn down and I do appreciate a good bit of merchandise. And I really do love fan made things because, you know, fans are the best. So now that Namjoon seems to have wrapped up uh, the very last of his schedule before he enlists, I have been thinking more and more about, of course, him enlisting and how that's going to feel for me. Of course, I was very upset when Jin enlisted, very upset when Hobie enlisted, but because I do have um, this parasocial closeness in particular with Namjoon, I am wondering how I'm going to respond to that. Um, and then I've been thinking about, don't you think it's so interesting that for many, many years in the fandom, we were not allowed to say the E word, enlist. We weren't allowed to talk about Jin's upcoming enlistment. It was really a sensitive topic, um, of course, because so much negative stuff was going on for Jin and for BTS and they were really um, publicly shamed for appearing to not want to be going to the military, although all they ever said was that they are ready, they will go when they're called, etc. Um, yeah, so I was just reflecting on that the E word, it used to be so sensitive and so taboo. And now it feels like every day I'm having a conversation about the enlistment and I see throughout the fandom, it's no longer a taboo word. Everyone's talking about it because of course, Jin went, Hobie went, and now it's only a matter of time before everyone else goes. And it's kind of like back in the day, it was annoying that you couldn't say it, but it was annoying because all the members were still here. And now we can say it because the members aren't all here and they're all going. So that's a lot. It's like a totally different reality that we have to adjust to. And I'm really thinking about the people who are only just discovering BTS now. Of course, they have so much to get through. Like if you are only just discovering BTS now, you have so much content to get through, but it's not quite the same when it's not real time and unfolding right before your eyes. But it's coming. It's coming back. I think they re-signed another seven years or something. They've re-signed for a long, long time. So, you know them contracts will keep them coming back and hopefully they will continue to have a really amazing career. And I know 2025, whenever they release their next album and do their next tour or do whatever they want to do next, it's going to be amazing. And I'm so looking forward to that. My mum did come to me the other day and said, oh, I've had a premonition. I think three of them are going to go all at once. <laughs> and and um, she, she thinks that Namjoon, Jimin and Sugar are all going to go around the same time within weeks of each other. And it's true. Like we're, we've got six months really left um, or less than six months. And we've got how many members? Five members left. Uh, 
Yeah. There's going to come a time where more than one person enlists within a month. And we have to be ready for that. Uh, and personally, I don't know if you're at the same place as me, but I, I'm kind of like, okay, BTS, just go. Like I almost would have preferred, I know this is going to sound really rough, but when we got that notification, was it back in October that they were going to start enlisting, that they were, you know, going away until 2025, I would have just preferred if they all left at that moment, <laughs> just rip the bandaid off. But maybe that's just more about me than anything else. Because of course, I've really enjoyed this time where they've been able to pursue what they've wanted outside of the group, um, all of their solo stuff and just hopefully enjoy life. But it's also like this kind of looming event that's always kind of in our consciousness. Like, oh, well, once they finish this album or once they finish this tour, then they're going. So I kind of wish they just went all at once uh, just to get it over and done with. But I totally respect why they're doing it this way and I probably would have done it the same way as well if I were them. But still, I just want them to go so they can come back, uh, knowing that we've got six months, five members. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. I just I want to get to that next point where they're all in so I can learn how to, you know, how to manage. Um, and I think, I mean, it's coming, right? I can't avoid that. So I guess we will have to wait and see who goes in when. If two or three of them go in at the same time, what that's going to look like, I am ready. Of course, June is all about Festa, 10 years with BTS. And oh my goodness, it was a doozy. Every year I think Festa can't get bigger and better, but it does. And it was so cool to see Seoul celebrating BTS and it was so cool to see how many people were out and about enjoying the the festivities um all the ads everything that BTS did for ARMY was so incredible just that they had that desire to really give back to ARMY is always so heartwarming and of course it's very clever marketing for them and for the group uh for them and for Hive and for ARMY it's it's a great way just to bring awareness to everything that's going on which is great so I think it was a great business decision but I also think it was a great gift and I think they were mostly going at it from the gift angle but I think the fact that they're being advertised on airplanes and buses and on buildings and the advertisement is them giving love to their fans like that's that's pretty clever so I'm really curious to know how many new people have become army because of Festa this year. I'm really curious to know about that. And of course, I'm just so grateful that BTS debuted into the world 10 years ago on June 13. Without them, I really wouldn't be who I am or where I am today. I think my army story is different from the majority of others that I have read and published. The typical army story that I here and this is from people who want to write and share their story right so of course there are so many other stories out there but the typical story that I hear is that people are lost they're experiencing some kind of hardship their lives just aren't quite working out right and they find BTS and they find hope and they find companionship and they find other army and they find more meaning for their life. I feel that my story is slightly different in the sense that my life was absolutely kicking off one way or another and I was in kind of like an experimental and an ex explorative stage where I had just sold my business I was wanting to write books I wanted to move to Korea and write k-dramas 
<laughs> and that's when I found BTS and they kind of antagonized me. They inspired me and they antagonized me. Um, and not in the way like, oh, I hate you so much um, kind of antagonizing, but it's more like they showed me the life that I want um, because they're living the life of their dreams, right? And I really want that. And um, that they constantly kind of were the catalyst for my own self-reflection and my self-transformation. And even when I didn't want them around, they were there and they were shining so bright and I had no choice but to look at myself and be like, well, how can I shine as bright as BTS? And they, yeah, they were constantly inspiring me. But it also kind of happened in a way that I felt at the time was out of my control. I was like, I am falling into this fandom one way or another and I can't make it stop. Uh, even though I don't want to, but it was this very strange feeling of, okay, I'm on board. I'm on this plane. I'm on this journey. I didn't really have a choice, but I, I really want to be here as well. And I guess that just speaks to the all consuming nature of BTS and the world that they have created. And I am so grateful that they came into my life and kind of forced me to pay attention to them and showed me that an amazing future is possible through them and with them a future that I didn't even think was possible. And without BTS, I don't think I would have written a book um, in the way that I had. I was a fiction writer. And then suddenly once I started becoming an army, I started writing nonfiction. I wouldn't have written the same book that I had. I wouldn't have had the same writing career that I've already had. I wouldn't have started a publishing company. All of that is thanks to BTS and army. So I'm really grateful for that. And that, I know that's a very personal and specific thing to me, but I am super grateful for that. And for 10 years of BTS, that's a long time, especially in the context of K-pop. That's a really long time. So I think it's timely that they are having a break, that they're going away to the military. I think it's an important reset for them. Of course, I wish it didn't have to happen like this, but this is what we're all dealing with. And uh, I think they can make it work for them. And I'm so excited to see who they are on the other side. Something that Festa always reminds me of is the loving relationships between BTS members. So when I was writing my first book, Idol Limerence, I went and watched every single Festa and transcribed it because I really wanted a lot of um, BTS talking about one another in their own words that I could draw on for my research. And so when I was doing this, I really became very familiar with everything that they were saying and doing. And, of course, we see this throughout uh, their Bon Voyages and in the soup uh, and all of their other kind of content that they create. We really get to see the intimacy that each member has and it's, it's healing power. So that's really what I think is one of the most amazing things about BTS that I don't see anywhere else in the world is the power of loving male relationships. So this week I turned my findings into an Instagram post, which has been doing very well. So I thought I would share with you some of the slides from that. BTS has shown me the power of kind, loving, caring, nurturing and affectionate male relationships. BTS has shown me why it's important to see men loving other men as friends who respect one another and aren't afraid to show their love. BTS has shown me why it's important to see men being physically affectionate and taking care of one another while expecting nothing in return. BTS has shown me what it looks like when men respect boundaries and openly ask for love and affection while creating safe spaces for one another. 
BTS has shown me the power of men sharing their emotions openly in dialogue and reflection as part of a continual group practice. BTS has shown me that they value transparency, compassion, active listening, empathy, self-reflection, connection, and art as a means of healing. BTS has shown me that seeing men loving other men can heal the wounds of millions of army who have suffered at the hands of unloved men and a patriarchal society. I often think about the scene, and I think it's from Bon Voyage, uh, where BTS are in New Zealand and Namjoon and V are sharing a bed in the camper van. And V wants to cuddle with Namjoon. And he's like, oh, you know, can we cuddle or, you know, can we be close? And Namjoon says, no. And V once again is like, oh, but can we? And Namjoon's like, I think it's better if we just, you know, keep, keep some distance between us. And it was so beautiful in that moment because not only did V then, you know, roll over or move away and just leave it at that and wasn't upset or anything, so he clearly respected Namjoon's boundaries, but also that V even felt that he could ask that in the first place, that he was so open to on camera and with his friend be like, I just really want to be physically close to you. Um, and that Namjoon didn't go, oh, that's disgusting. He was just like, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> um, that was so beautiful on so many levels. And that was healing for me to watch, to see men being so delicate and caring to one another. Uh, and respecting each other's boundaries and saying what they want and being so uh, open about their affection and their desire for affection without it needing to mean anything sexual um, or to be anything more than just platonic. That is so powerful and so unique to BTS. And I'm sure it does happen in male relationships all around the world, but we're not seeing it. We're not seeing it on these shows and I think that's what's so incredible about BTS is that they openly show hand-holding, hugging, being physically close to one another and being affectionate and caring to one another because that's so often how women and gender non-binary people are with one another but it's not as common to see men do this and it is so important to show the world that this is possible for men and that this is healing and normal for men to be kind, loving and caring towards one another in platonic ways. So that's something that I'm really grateful for in the 10 years of BTS. Um, and I know that might seem like a random thing to latch onto, but that's really what I was thinking about as to what makes me love BTS so much as a group, apart from, you know, their artistry and who they are in the world. It's how they treat each other and how they have these festas where they sit and they reflect and they share their emotions and they make space for one another. And they see this as an important part of their friendship and their creative process. That is so beautiful and it makes me so proud to be an ARMY. Okay, that just about does it for today's episode of The BTS Theorist. Uh, if you enjoyed hearing all about my story about how I nearly got to be in Namjoon's orbit this month, I have written an entire book all about everything that I am doing in order to be noticed by BTS so that I can write a book with them. Um, it is a free book. It is ever evolving as I am adding to it every month. You can find it on my Substack, williaeaglehawk.substack.com. Please read. It is free. Subscribe. And the next chapter is coming out this week. So I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next time.